This is the Drive-In Podcast, episode 24, take one. Hello and welcome to the 24th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Today we have The Checkup with Dr. O, breaking down the latest news in the movie industry. We have our review of the new HBO Max movie, Judas and the Black Messiah. We have our top billing draft of our best movie performances of historical figures. So buckle up and get ready for the 24th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to the listeners. You are our Valentines. How's everybody doing on this wonderful Sunday? Or I guess Tuesday, if you're listening. We're doing great, Nez. Uh, great intro. I'm excited. It's Valentine's Day. I don't have a Valentine this year, but I did get a gift with the Snyder Cut trailer this morning. Excited to talk about it. Let's get buzzing. Ricky Flex, how are we? Guys, we live in a society. We live in a society. That's all I have to this say. Guy. We do live in a society. That's that's a that's an accurate statement. If yes, <laughs> but excited to talk about it. Fact, certainly made clear. All right, that's it. I I just 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 take me to the checkup because you know what I'm anticipating this too much. We got to talk about it, Doctor O. Check us up. Check us up. Check us up. Let's check the audiences up. So what's going on today? Guess what? Snyder cut trailer dropped. As we previewed at the beginning of the episode, this movie is set to release in full movie format March 18th. Okay, we're not doing this four episode series, we're going full length, four hour movie. So, buckle up. Movie mm-hmm. is set right also for a theatrical release that is set to include an intermission for the audience. That's how long this damn movie is. Okay, we also get a teaser of Leto and Batfleck in this film so flex you've been clamoring for this movie for months on end what are your thoughts on the first quote-unquote official trailer yeah so this has just been a wild ride one of the most like trending uh just topics on twitter of all time and we finally get the trailer we had trailers to the trailer uh all week from Zack snyder himself just there's a lot of buildup and i twitter's twitter definitely believes like it has filled up to the expectations of this trailer. Me, I feel like it didn't live up to it until the end where we saw that Batflick, Jared Leto, Joker interaction. That was the part when I was like, all right, that's what I wanted to see. That's the expectations that I expected and thus has hit. But going back to the trailer as a whole, we did see a lot of what we previously saw in those trailers from Zack Snyder. So I was expecting a little more from just new footage. And I was expecting less old footage. And when I say old footage, particularly with the character intro, such as the Flash and Barry, Barry Allen seeing his dad, like we saw in Justice League, or I need warriors that Batflick says to Aquaman. We see that again in this trailer. So I was kind of hoping to see less of that. But then again, it's only the first trailer. We'll probably get another one before March 18th. So looking forward to the next one already. What do you think, Nez? I don't understand where the Joker fits in the whole scheme of this thing. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. I want to be excited. Cool. Yay. It looks better. 
why is the Joker there? And why <laughs> is it just for promotion? Like, I, I don't know. He's I think so. Fanfare. Different. Yeah, it's literally for fanfare. It's every, like all you have to do to promote a movie these days is put the Joker in it. The Joker is like the biggest character in the history of characters. Like mm. right now, like I, I honestly think that that's the case. The next Star Wars movie is going to have the Joker. Like, <laughs> I, I just like I don't I don't understand. Like it's just like I don't know. I hope I mean you know I looked better. Well, Doctor O, Doctor O, I know you mentioned this off air, um. So I don't want to take this from you, but didn't you? I think you were the one that was telling me like this is maybe like for redemption for Leto, trying to redeem himself after the Suicide Joker and the air and David Ayer's Suicide Squad. So I feel like he looks a lot better than the 2016 uh, Suicide Squad Joker. I kind of made fun of that on Twitter or right when the trailer, trailer dropped. But I don't know. Dr. O, what do you think? So I'm thinking that this is actually what Nez brought up on an earlier podcast. I think that this is all this is for redemption, but it's also the ending of this Snyderverse that he created for the DC Universe. So it's like, okay, we have to have at some point Batfleck, who's most likely hanging up the cowl after this last iteration of the character, he has to at some point confront Jared Leto's Joker. And I think this is the most appropriate way and uh What's it called? We talked about fanfare, fan service. This is the most ultimate way you could do it, I would say. I think we're going to have – I think they we've confirmed four minutes of the Joker in this movie by Zack Snyder. So he's got to make those minutes count. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of why he's in this movie. But uh, I think it's also – talking about fan service still – him commenting on society, it just plays into that trope that's been on the internet for <laughs> – literally years on end, especially with Joaquin's performance as a Joker commenting, commenting on this is a society. This is what happens when a society abandons, you know, that yeah. whole thing. So it just falls right in line with that. So you're right. It's fan service, but was it cool to see? Absolutely. Of course it is. It's, it's very cool to see, but here's the issue with what's the problem with Jared Leto and suicide squad. Apart from the fact that it's an abomination of a movie is the fact that they try to squeeze him into something where he doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. And, and here they are with the justice league. They have all these major, you know, big bads and stuff, and they have all these major stories to get to. And they're squeezing the Joker into a story where he just might not belong. So it's kind mm-hmm. of repeating the issue. Also, when you go back, even go back to Batman versus Superman, they squeeze like three two or three comics into one movie. And that's also, that's the issue with that movie. So are they just repeating the same mistake over and so, over again? Like, so I don't understand. I, I think you make a good point, but I think a big issue with the, for me at least, for the Justice League, uh, Joss Whedon version, is uh, the dream sequence in that was just so confusing. Like, I had, I still don't understand, like, why... Batman vs. Superman. Or Batman vs. Superman, sorry. Uh, I, I still don't understand it. This one, it feels like from this trailer alone you're going to get the full understanding of it in this four hour movie and how it's going to, how it's supposed to be implied throughout this Snyderverse, even though this ends here. And that's why the Joker plays a prevalent thought, a prevalent idea in this is because he's probably like the main, he's the main antagonist for Batman. So he's probably the main idea in his mind in his dream sequence. Right. And it it's completing arcs. We're completing arcs here. That's the whole point of it. Like we're we're having the nightmare sequence. We're seeing the Joker in the nightmare sequence. Obviously, the nightmare sequence was in Batman's brain from Batman and Superman, Bruce Wayne's brain, right? So it's like we're kind of completing that story. Like when it goes back to Robin and his suit being tarnished, right? And then you have uh, Joker mm-hmm. obviously killing uh, Dick Grayson. I think it's been confirmed that it was Dick Grayson that was wearing the costume. Uh, 
And then it's also him burning down Wayne Manor. So it's just like, I think this is, as we said before, it's kind of a culmination of Snyder's work. It's not worried about what's happening in the future of the DCEU. He's said that this will not, there will be no sequels from this. So he's just trying to complete all these arts he started because he never imagined he would be in this, in this place when it came, that he would be releasing his initial version of the Justice League on HBO Max. But to be honest, I am super excited about this. Uh, it's super long, but as we said, fan service, but also in terms of what was bad about the initial Justice League movie, this is way more visually appealing. And that's what Zack Snyder does, right? He yes. makes things visually appealing. We're getting rid of that Marvel-infused humor that, that felt so forced in Justice League. I feel like we are looking at a completely different movie. And he's teased it so much. I know Ricky Flux was saying he was hoping to see something new. The reason we're not seeing something new is because he's teased the crap out of this movie. I feel like every week we're getting a scene or a still or something from this movie. Just let it come out now at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think you make good points. Okay. So, I mean, I, I we talked about the Joker in Batfleck. Like, I don't want to move on just yet because there was a lot of stuff in this trailer. I want to talk about, right, Darkseid. Like, Darkseid is going to have way more of a presence in this movie. I think he was only acknowledged in the, the theatrical version once. I don't think they said his name. They just mentioned that he yeah. existed, right? They mm -hmm. said, like, my uncle, like, Steppenwolf's uh, uncle or something like that. Didn't even get a mention. Obviously, you feel his presence in this movie. This is basically Marvel's version of Thanos, all right? This is the OG. There was no Thanos if there wasn't Darkseid. This is a major presence in a superhero movie. And I'm excited to have that aspect here. And then along with like their like like Thanos has his children, like you obviously have Steppenwolf to Darkseid, but then you have Granny, right? If anyone's watched the Superman animated series, like Granny is like the old lady who's like kind of like that bitter person who's kind of like has her has her way controlling things for dark side like they kind of like work hand in hand so i'm excited to see that aspect just as like a little kid growing up with that animated series i know flicks you watched it yeah it's interesting how this is going to be this is this movie is going to be after avengers uh infinity war and endgame so everyone's just naturally going to go to that comparison which they should they should it makes sense why but this was supposed to be before that like this Justice League movie. So it would have been interesting if you spinned it that uh, the other way around. I feel like that's going to be something big in this movie and how the, the comparison between the two universes. I don't know, as you wanted to say, I think you, I think you made a comment or, or a smearing look at Dr. O for a second there. There's no Thanos without dark side. Can you explain that? Dark side existed before Thanos and Thanos is a direct ripoff of dark side. That's a fact. Oh yeah. In, a lot in the comics and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, of Marvel characters are ripped general, off from DC. The character okay. would not exist of okay. without Dark okay. Side. Okay, I thought we were talking about movies and stuff. I was like, wait, hold on, hold on, guys, hold on. Right. Whoa. I'm very well, like, comically versed. And, like, when I'm looking at this movie, this is a huge deal. Like, I was a big DC Comics kid, not mm -hmm. a Marvel's comics. And I see, like, the I see Batman on, like, the tank from The Dark Knight Returns. That's mm -hmm. literally a ripped – it's ripped out of the screen out of the comic book pages and put on a screen. It's just incredible to see. And mm -hmm. I, like Thanos dominates like obviously mainstream right now. He's always mm -hmm. everywhere. Like the last time we saw him was Endgame, and he's still like so talked about, but people forget that dark side is basically the guy, mm -hmm. right? He's the reason he's like the first like big bad that kind of re like uh, caused a need for a super team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I also, I also just want to say just now that we're talking about Thanos just even with this trending, like a lot of Thanos memes were being used for this. And, it, and it's just like, will this have that same, obviously 
has the trends on Twitter. But I feel like that's just more towards the people that are just so in love with DC and superhero movies. But will it get that memeable factor that people that aren't interested in superhero movies still will use the meme or still be interested and watch this movie? I don't know if I'll have the same effect because Avengers Endgame and Infinity War was like a culmination of 20 years or 23 movies or whatever. This is not like you talk about like wrapping up this universe. This culmination is in not even half the time and off of, to be honest, not critically acclaimed movies like not very well done movies. So I don't know if it's going to have the same hype around it or not hype, just critical success. And then uh, future like trend setters, like with the memes and everything right. going on. And I like, I think, I think meme wise and like social media wise, like it's going to be everywhere. Like this was a, this is a grassroot like movement by the internet, by the fans. Like they caused this to happen. Yeah. And like, it was, born on the internet therefore it's going to be massive when this drops on march 18th like it's going to be everywhere whether it's hated or whether it's when this opens is going to be polarizing no matter what people are pretty set in their ways about this movie i'm looking at twitter now seeing people's reactions people are going like mind blown like reaction to the trailer or they're just doing or they're doing the throw up right so it's like people are already set so it's like almost not a fair assessment because this looks like a completely different movie from the theatrical version. Mm-hmm. It literally, like, I'm seeing all these scenes. We're, seeing, we're getting black suit Superman, by the way. Talk about completing arcs. I think it's going to be so different. And then people are just, I mean, when I'm, we're looking at Rotten Tomatoes, like, we're going to the audience score. I can see divisiveness. But in terms of an overall movie, completing arcs, the critics will kind of know what to expect from this movie. I want to throw out a couple, like, thermometer predictor scores here. So I'm thinking... This movie is going to be better than the theatrical version. I, I believe the theatrical version has about a 47% of Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's even too high. Yeah. I'm thinking this is going to be shocked. I, I, I'm thinking it's 63%. That's my guess. All right. Four hour long movie. A lot. Of, it's a lot for people to process and sit through. But guess what? If you're invested in this universe, you know what Zack Snyder has been building to. If you're, I think it's going to deliver. And I think and then some. Right. And I think audience wise, if you're a DC fan, this is going to be gold. This is for the Twitter fans there. It's going to be uh, something to behold for them. Well, okay. So I, I guess I'll go next. I think what you said, like it's going to it's gonna make it there and then some. I totally agree, but I feel like a 62, I believe you said. I still believe that's too low. And the reason I say that is because I feel like a big problem with this universe is that you just don't get it through these films so far. You don't get this culmination and that you are going to get that culmination here. And I feel like Zack Snyder, like a four-hour movie, the budget is insane. They add another thirty million dollars to it uh, in the in the final months of production. He's everyone's gonna get this movie if you're in love with superheroes and you're in love with DC. You're gonna get it, especially. But even if you're not, you're just watching this whole series uh, draw out. You're gonna understand it now, and I feel like it's gonna help. I'm gonna go seventy-two. Hmm. Seventy-eight. 78 78 higher wow it's kind of surprising from you is it so certified fresh you're saying it's going to be certified fresh or just it'll be uh it'll be a very weak certified fresh but it'll be certified fresh yeah interesting it'll, it'll be a, bir- a birds of prey certified fresh <laughs> birds of prey certified fresh oh yeah it's like 78 <laughs> i think that's exactly that score of that movie all right so those are our scores, our thermometer predictor scores for Zack Snyder's Justice League, which will be dropping on March 18th. We'll be glued to our screens. I'll be at work watching it somehow, some way. It's going to take out a long part of your day, but hopefully it'll be worth <laughs> it. All right. It's, it's, it's a lot building up to this movement, you know, building up to this moment. Movement. I like that. Yeah, it, it is a movement. This, yeah. this whole thing was. So 
Moving on with the checkup, going away from superheroes. Let's talk about some serious movies here. We got John David Washington joining Margot Robbie and Christian Bale in a new David O. Russell film through a couple set photos that surfaced online this week. This cast for this movie is insane. Let's go through it really quick. We got Robert De Niro, Mike Myers, Timothy Oliphant. We got Academy Award nominee Michael Shannon, Chris Rock, Anya Taylor-Joy, Rami Malek, and Zoe Saldana star studded all right it's believed that this movie is going to be centering on an unlikely partnership between a doctor and a lawyer with the working title having uh previously been revealed to be amsterdam that's what it's called right now uh flicks what are your thoughts on this casting news the star studded cast well like we've been saying every time we get info about this movie phenomenal cast not no no shocker for a david o russell film david o russell silver linings playbook uh the fighter uh American Hustle, which is always has a phenomenal cast. And when you get a David O. Russell film, there's always Oscar nominees for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor and Actresses. So we're definitely going to see that coming out of this film, most likely. He's a great writer. He's a very, like the films I just mentioned, they're kind of tragic comedies. Like they're very intense, but have comedic relief in them as well. And I feel like with Mike Myers and Chris Rock, there could be a lot of comic relief in this as well, similar to Chris Tucker and Silver Linings Playbook. So it's going to be interesting where this movie goes, especially with no concrete plot left uh, here yet. I know you mentioned something about lawyer and relationship. Yeah, not, but not an official synopsis. Yeah, that's like that's like nothing really. So like, if I quickly go on IMDb, like, I, they don't even, I don't think they have one. Yeah, the plot no, details kept not. under wraps. Yeah. So honestly, like, I don't want to make any assumptions except that it's David Russell and that you have a phenomenal cast and you have, they have the history and track record to back it up. Yeah. Amsterdam in, intriguing title. I, th- I will also say, I think that it's, I love the fact that uh, all the information isn't leaked, right? The plot line isn't leaked. We don't really know much about it. Uh, I think these days between trailers, movie rumors and stuff like that, Twitter is the absolute worst. I mean, it's the best, but it's the worst. And, you know, you know, everything that's going to go down in a movie before it even comes out. So the fact that they're really keeping everything under wraps uh, is really, I think that's awesome. Impressive. And that's a good sign for the movie. Also, yes, very impressive. Uh, and as for the casting, I think it's groovy, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you said Mike Myers, my eye, like I like perked up. I was like, you lit up, dude. Glorious bastard stud. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, it's weird, but like. I honestly, he's like really talented as, as for the rest of the people in this cast, I think it's so, I mean, the casting is a good sign. The fact that they're keeping everything under wraps is a very good sign. Um, I'm excited for this Amsterdam. Whether this or not this cast it. has everything. Like it has everything you can aim for. I'm looking at it. You got Mike Myers, Chris Rock for the comedic aspect. You got the young actors with Donnie Taylor, Joy, John David Washington. Then you got like the stars, Margot Robbie, Christian Bale, right? Robert De Niro, you have a legend. Yeah, too. it's insane. This is this on paper. I think rivals don't look up for the Adam McKay film starring Leonardo DiCaprio. It's coming out. Wow. So uh, I know I initially said that cast was the best on paper. This one, it, I mean, it, this is right. They battle. There. It's a battle. It, the, 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 yeah, we could do like a like a matchup like we do like a, like an NFL live. You're going like uh, wide receiver versus wide receiver. Quarterback, <laughs> yes. quarterback. You're going tight end yeah, versus tight end. You could do the same thing here. That's a potential blog. Check out the driveinpod.com. But I'm excited to see it. Yeah, then you all, then you have Zoe Saldana. You got like obviously like I love franchise, her. like star, literally yeah. all elements. Michael Shannon, low key, like top Underrated. three actors in here. But Christian Bale, Robert De Niro, one movie, feed it to me, feed it to me. 
beat it to me. It's interesting. But, no, no, yeah, I'm no. going to chime in here for a sec. So you have some some David O'Russell usual suspects. You have uh, you have the Christian Bale and Robert De Niro who've been in two or more David O'Russell films, but you kind of like Bradley Cooper is one where he's been in a multitude of David O'Russell films. He's not here, and it's he's not here. You have you have no Jennifer Lawrence. You feel like Anya Taylor-Joy or Margot Robbie are kind of replacing her in this movie. Interesting for me personally to see him go with Margot Robbie and Jennifer Lawrence. What that kind of goes into the plot as in why, why is Margot Robbie being cast instead of uh, Jennifer Lawrence or Anya yeah. Taylor-Joy being cast instead of Margot Robbie? Uh, sorry, instead of Jennifer Lawrence. Interesting, especially with Jennifer Lawrence getting three Academy Award nominations with David O. Russell in her last three films and one win. Interesting to me. And then also Amy Adams, not here as well, who's been in three David O. Russell project, projects as well. Oh, that's an interesting, interesting for as- me. That's an interesting aspect that I, I didn't I, – I, it crossed my mind briefly because you think of frequent collaborators, like you just said, Bale and De Niro. And like Jennifer Lawrence is probably more frequent than all of them. Whereas yes, like you, for it's sure. It's like synonymous with the name David O. Russell. You just like Scorsese. It's like automatically you think of De Niro and, and uh, DiCaprio. Yeah. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see. Like I, I would love to hear an interview. If we ever conduct an interview with David O. Russell, we'll have to confront him about that situation, you know? Maybe down the line. Uh, maybe yes. like three, three weeks. Three weeks yeah, down we'll the confront line. Him. Yeah, closer to we'll the movie him. release date. We'll catch Big him J in, journalist here. We'll catch him in the airport. <laughs> David O. Russell, <laughs> give us the answer. Yes. Why didn't you cash it for Lawrence? <laughs> if, How if, dare you? If we are ever, if I'm ever on the same flight as David O. Russell, I'll make sure that I'll answer the hard, I'll ask the hard hitting questions. So, <laughs> moving on, we have a little interesting. Uh, story here new line cinema has confirmed there's going to be a wizard of oz remake right it's in development right now nicole cassell who's the visual architect of the watchman series is set to direct uh so this new version will not be a musical all right new line has said it's going to be a a quote-unquote fresh take and then a quote-unquote reimagining of the wonderful wizard of oz so nez what do you think of a remake of one of the most iconic films in the history of cinema well, you know, I was excited about it until I learned that it's not a it's not a musical. Are you kidding me? I knew you'd hate that. What the hell? You're making the Wizard of Oz with no music? What is it gonna be a a, a drama? Get out of just, here! Just get like out of town. And, just like the Great and Powerful Oz that came out with James Franco. Uh, yeah, I, I was gonna watch that. Crap. I was I was it gonna was not good. I was gonna bring that up here. I'm but, a little nervous. I'm a little nervous for this the, one. The the Wizard of Oz. It goes the. I mean, the Wizard of Oz is great. Great music. The Wiz. Great, great music. <laughs> Wicked, all the spinoffs. They all have music. Now you're trying to mix it up and not have any music in it? Not make, try to make The Wizard of Oz not a musical? What are you, insane? So the it's reason like the why- the most important movie ever. <laughs> Get out of here. The reason why I like how it's not a musical is because I'm, I was trying to think today, like, who can play Dorothy? Who kind of looks like her, but like, obviously you're not going to find someone that looks oh, exactly like her. So I was just trying to think of people, but there's only one person that keeps crossing my mind. It's because she's, I, it appears to be in everything coming out recently. Anya that's Taylor good. Yes. Joy. Like, come on. Like she is Dorothy to me right now. The drama wizard of Oz. She's like, this would be perfect. And you see her as the redhead in the queen. <laughs> yes. She could be a redhead or the dark hair, like yeah. either one. I don't care. And she like the queen's gamut. She dresses in that, like those dresses, like same thing as Dorothy. I, I, I feel like that's the only answer here. She's got the ruby red shoes to match her hair. And like they have the rights to like all these trademarks from the Wizard of Oz. So they're going to use them. I actually like the idea of a reimagination of it. Some people are going to hate on the fact that they're remaking the Wizard of Oz. But I mean, we had the Wiz, which is also a reimagination of it. So 
and then we have Oz the Great and Powerful. I think this is appropriate. The movie was made in 1939. Like I, I feel like the kids nowadays don't even know the Wizard of Oz. Let's let's, yeah. let's introduce it's time. Like introduce this iconic tale in a different way. So I'm okay with this. Um, yeah. So give give us to us Anya Taylor Joy. Perfect. Yeah, and the twenty. You guys remember, like we mentioned, Oz the Great and Powerful with James Franco, and Mila Kunis back in 2013. That had a lot of hype around it. James Franco just came off an Oscar nominee, playing for, Oz, like he was playing Oz again. Like, we didn't know that backstory, uh, a lot of that backstory from Wizard of Oz. So there was a lot of hype, and then just fell off the face of the earth. This one, I'm... if you if you cast like an Anya Taylor Joy, or you cast like the Lion, or like the Tin Man, or just the side characters with someone big and someone that's attracting, it's going to get hype. It's got to live up to that hype. You, so, you can have some fun. Yeah, you exactly. Wanna, you guys want to hear a very dark fact about The, the Wizard of Oz? I'm I have one too, by the way. Tr- trigger warning. Trigger warning for anybody that has triggers. But apparently, you can see in the back of one of the frames, one of the munchkins hanging themselves. On, yeah, I've in heard the, this one. Like on yeah. set in the movie, and you could see it. Look up the hanging munchkin. Ugh. Really effed up. Yeah. Really, I wonder, really dark. How they let that fly. Like people yeah. complain. Dude, imagine that happened today. People are complaining about a coffee. Uh, was a coffee cup and what? What was it? Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah. If you had like you just see someone hanging. <laughs> yeah, hanging in twenty twenty in a movie. Twenty twenty one. People Christmas <laughs> and people love like talking about Star Wars, like a New Hope when the stormtrooper hits his head on the roof, walking through. Everyone always brings that up on Twitter. Like imagine getting that. People on the screen in 2021 but uh my no. wizard of oz fact isn't as sad as that one is oh. that they used asbestos for the snow oh jesus <laughs> isn't that insane 1939 they didn't understand asbestos did, 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 they use asbestos for the snow in the wizard of oz yes did they have they a union did, did they have a union what, what the heck's going on no no they did well, not did we watch they, mank they, or did we watch mank <laughs> they, it was starting to develop <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! That's insane. That's that's, that's messed up. Insane. Yes. Enough of the fun fact. We're moving on with the checkup. I can't. My I can't take any more of that. So, what a jeez. <laughs> so we have a sequel in the works. All right, face off. Right, we're going. We're, this is a wild checkup. This is wild. We got a face off two movie. We're involved. off the rails. The original was directed by John Woo back in '97 with Travolta and Nick Cage. <laughs> the script is coming from the Godville of Godzilla vs Kong director Adam Wingard. Flicks, quit laughing and tell me what you think about the sequel. I know so, you watched it last night. I did. I rewatched it. So I rewatched it last night just just to prepare for this segment, and now I'm laughing through it. <laughs> and get it together <laughs> I'm, I'm a little shocked it's not a remake it's a sequel because the ending of face off is just like clearly not remake uh our uh, sequelable if that's a word but uh unsequelable yeah like i'm, I'm not gonna spoil anything go watch face off but uh it's kind of odd ending uh for a sequel but to get back to my first thought Nick Cage, Nick Cage, and Nick Cage. This man is coming out with some heaters right now. This is—he's gonna be back in this allegedly. Unbearable weight of massive talent. One of my top, uh, one of my picks for top billing, most anticipated movies of this year comes out next month, and he's gonna be—he's gonna be playing Joe Exotic. Like, let's go! Like, I'm so pumped for Nick Cage. I love him. I feel like he's just an underutilized actor because he's in so much, but he's just people like. He's always in like those movies that get like probably like 30% of Rotten Tomatoes and just for the paycheck. 
but he does he truly believes like he's being the character not doing it for the paycheck he's kind of like delusional that way so i feel like this is also kind of the, the same way where he thinks like it's going to be for the character for sure. yeah he's going to get lost in this character again <laughs> like you tweeted out with the priest scene and he's dancing moving his head so <laughs> i my I, favorite nick cage scene of all time by the way when he's the, when he's the pastor or whatever and then he's yeah like the fake priest. yeah so i, I kind of rambled on there what do you guys think now has he seen face off I, uh, yeah, that was. I actually saw it when I was very young. Mm-hmm. Um, why is it, why are they why are they making face off? <laughs> no, it's made a lot of money. Just stop. It made like 130 million at the box office in '97, which is pretty weird, wild. It's a weird movie, and you can't like that's a movie that you could get away with in the '90s. Not, I don't think you can get away with it now. People are yeah, like, "What the it's hell?" It's a silly concept for sure. It's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but in the but at the same time, like I was doing some research on this movie with Ricky Flux last night. We were watching it. This movie is a the original is a ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Certified fresh. A ninety two. Kidding me? It's if like the corniest me, movie. If I watched this movie when was. I was six years old, and I was like, "This is crap." Yeah. <laughs> when you were six, hey, you knew how bad six. it was. But watch your at, tongue. At the same time, here at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, dude, Nick Cage dies at the end. Yeah. So it's like I think I know what they're gonna do here, what they're aiming for, because they're saying it's a direct sequel. There was some like uh, miscommunication that this was gonna be like a reimagination of it. It's going to be a sequel. I think they're going to take Nick Cage's face, like after he died, reapply it. So, because you got to have Nick Cage in this movie if you have a direct sequel to it, you have no choice, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, I'm all on board for that. But that, I was watching, I fell asleep after the first like 25 minutes last night, but it was still, even in that first 20 minutes, 25 minutes, it is so silly. So, I mean, it's so it. ridiculous, dude. I did not fall asleep, but I, that I, first 25 minutes was pretty, like, the airplane whole scene there was just Dude, like, when, when they're putting when they're taking off their faces like and they're really oh, disgusting they actually showed some of it disgusting and then like there's this dude that's right outside the screen and he's just like lifting his face like oh my god like, yeah he lifted, it's almost like he's a part of the audience he's lifting his arms up like this is ridiculous yeah like, you felt like you felt like it's like when dwight in the office like takes the face off the mannequin the cpr yeah. mannequin i was just like what the exactly. hell is going on but uh the, the dude is like that's messed up like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, that, is, that is messed up what are we doing right now? This is a great mistake. You know? <laughs> but uh, my final thoughts on this is that Adam Wingard uh, is directing this and he's at the helm of Godzilla Kong. And we saw that trailer a couple weeks ago and we saw how cool the action scenes looked in that. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping for some sick action scenes in this movie. This yeah. sequel, like his face off, like I said, it had a, has a huge airplane crashing scene and there's a couple other great action scenes, but nowhere near what it, what it could have done with Adam Wingard at the helm instead of John Woo. Maybe that's possible. Yeah, we don't even know if Godzilla vs Kong is good yet. No, but like the the action scenes, like they look incredible in the trailer. Yeah, and the quality looks like True. prime time. And this is a Paramount movie, the sequel, so they're gonna put some funds into it. Probably. Oh my god, can we just talk about how we got abused by Paramount Network com- uh, commercials during the Super Bowl? We did. We got Shambo. God, just like literally, just like they're just like pounding me in the skull with a sledgehammer. Right. So <laughs> March fourth, I think. Yeah, March fourth. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, we also uh, – this is a podcast, so you guys are listening, but we are <laughs> going to create a trailer. We have to note what Nez is wearing right now. He looks like – I don't even know. He looks like he's like wearing one of, those, one of those Russian hats like that. He yeah, yes. And I feel like we're going back to the abdication of Nicholas II back in 1917 with this dude right now. Wow. This guy Quit looks ridiculous. Dropping history facts on us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good. 
Look at him right now. Dude, I can't, I can't hold it together. This is hilarious. This, this I, guy is insane. I Look at this guy off. right it's now. So com- this guy is nuts. It's so comfortable. He's wearing, for, uh, let's describe it to like the listeners. I think I did a good job with the Nicholas second uh, yeah, yeah, commentary there. How are you? But I also have to bring up, he's wearing a, it looks like a ski hat over his headphones. That are, and It looks like his head. Yeah, it's a beanie. Like, he looks like a mushroom in yes, uh, Mario. Mario. That's what he looks like, dude. Like, not even kidding. You're like, onto something, Doctor. Like, his something. head width has gone twice the regular size. Uh, all right. So, this podcast is officially off the rails. But, it's been off the rails for a while, but we're thriving, in my opinion. I think this is going to be one one hell of a surviving and thriving. Let's keep oh, yeah. it going. Let's send it over to Neds for our review of HBO Max's new release, Judas and the Black Messiah. Thank you very much, Dr. O. As usual, we appreciate you checking us up and keeping us uh, in tune with the latest movie news and reviews. Um, Today, we have a very special movie spoiler-free review of uh, HBO Max's latest movie, Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, Just a quick synopsis here. It's uh, based off of uh, a guy named William, o- William O'Neill, who gets offered a plea deal by the FBI, uh, and he infiltrates the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party to gather intelligence on the chairman, Fred Hampton. Uh, this was a doozy of a movie, a roller coaster of emotions, and uh, currently trending at 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Ow, ow. So... I mean, put it in the early Oscar conversation. At least, at least that's that's my sentiment. I mean, how do you guys feel about the you know uh, how this movie's going to compete come award season? Yeah, I thought this movie was terrific. I I don't know about the movie competing with award season. I I think it's a very very well done movie. Or I th- I think I really enjoyed this movie. All right, I'll say that I really enjoyed this movie. I think there's stiff competition in this category for best picture this year. And we have a lot to come nomad land next week. We're reviewing that a uh, little teaser there for, for the audience there, but you still have Minari that's that already came out and then a lot of other best pictures. So I don't know about this winning, but hopefully it gets a nomination, especially because the Academy's had a bad, a bad history with uh, racial inequality as well. That everyone always complains mm-hmm. about every year now. And fin- finally, to be honest, um, and it would be nice to see this get at least a nominee. I don't know. How about you, Dr. O? I think it's going to get a nomination. Like if I had to put, uh, if I was going to Vegas, putting down a bet, I would definitely say it would get a nomination. Uh, it's Shaka King. It's like a young up and coming director. He's kind of like, uh, people are like really into what he's doing right now. And he, the way he shaped this film, it's kind of something we hadn't seen before in terms of like portrayal of a group like the Black Panther Party, who's known historically as being uh, very radical and the way he approached this film in, in a very unique way. And he mm. spun it in a way that really no one has before. And he's trying to kind of change the narrative of how this group is perceived. So I think in that aspect, people are, I think people are loving it. And so I think, and then also Daniel Kaluuya, he is a beast. 
I think he's definitely, if anyone, if there's going to be any nomination at all for this movie, it's going to be for him as Fred Hampton. And dude, that guy's dynamite. Like everything he touches like, is, is like Oscar worthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he's very underrated. I know. I think we're going to do a top billing of underrated actors. I think Daniel Kaluuya needs to be on that list. Spoiler so, alert. So I don't know. I don't he, know. He's a freak, dude. He's so good in everything. I don't know if he'll be underrated after this performance. I think everyone's finally realizing how good he is. And like, I know Widows, he has a very, very minor role. But there's one scene in particular in a gym where he just blasts the he- someone's head off, and it was one of the most compelling scenes I've seen in a while. Like it was insane. Dude, he is and incredible. Was, yeah, him and, and Brian Tyree Henry in that movie are an amazing <laughs> duo, by the way. Yes. Uh, he's also severely underrated. And yes. he's got, he has great taste too. Like uh, like like you said, Doctor. Oh, everything he touches turns to gold. He's been he's in a lot of good movies, so he's got very very good selection. Um, or I guess just taste when it comes to picking the movies that he's in, because uh, he's, he's been in some really, really good ones and he always brings it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also want to point out, uh, um, I think you could nominate Kaluuya. I think you could nominate the soundtrack. You could nominate great soundtrack, know, the, the entire movie for, for, you know, um, uh, for best picture too. Uh, but also best supporting actor. I think, I think like Keith Stanfield, I think he lived up to the hype. Uh, it's somebody that I was hyped to see in this movie. And you just like constantly see the conflict within him throughout the movie, but he also kind of sells it to you that, that like you kind of think he's starting to come around a little bit. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the movie f- for everybody here, but, um, but you know, there's a lot of internal conflict when it comes to his character, and he was given a really, really tough job. And I think he did a very good job in his role, uh, mm-hmm. in in, uh, in kind of showing that conflict. And 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 very, it was very convincing, honestly. It was so, very convincing. Yeah. So to kind of piggyback on that, I do think this was a very difficult task for him, and mm-hmm. he actually is the lead actor on this, and Kaluuya is the supporting. And that kind of oh, tells you okay. how underwritten I think the Keith was in this movie. I really, I think it was severely underwritten. And to be honest, mm-hmm. at points it was poorly written on him. And I felt like he was dealt kind of a tough hand at points because you see that conflict, but it kind of bounced, it bounced around and didn't flow. And I think that hurt the movie for me personally, it didn't have the right flow for the character. And by the end, you finally realize like, where he's at and especially with the fi- no spoilers but the credit scene is just i think that was incredibly powerful and kind of put an exclamation point on the movie itself no spoilers uh, but it is historical so if you know the story you know it but kaluuya had the intrigue around him and all the key but he had all the speeches and the key moments really around him so it was kind of hard for stanfield to really uh surpass that and get an oscar nomination at least for me and if you look at the golden globes right now and that's kind of a precursor. I know it's media-driven, heavy bias, but the only nomination for an actor from this movie is Kulia and his best supporting. And I think he has a shot. I person personally, I think Lakeith did a good job. I think he's the hall, he's in the hall of very good because I agree that he had the much tougher role. Like he didn't have as a direct motive as Daniel Kaluuya's character. Like uh, Nez did a great job bringing up the inner conflict that he's facing. But I feel like uh, going along with Ricky Flick's idea of the underwritten part of the character, I never believed he was all in on the Black Panther party. I always thought he was always like he was always based on his actions. He was in it for himself the entire movie. I think they could have written it in a way where you felt like, oh, he's just going to be all in on the Panthers because you find out at the end of the movie in the credit scene that he is in, he is a um, informant for the FBI even after Fred Hampton dies. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so mm-hmm. it's just like, I think that if they really wanted to sell it and they wanted to even like dramatize Spoiler. the movie anymore, maybe you don't include that aspect. I don't know. I know it's like, that's obviously kind of controversial. You're not living up to like, like true events, but that's mm-hmm. where you get in that hazy period. Like what is going to make this an actual better movie? It would have been where like he is conflicted to the point where he is it's being he's being driven insane. But when we look at the movie, I won't pick pick out specific scenes just because for spoilers, he always chooses himself over the party. And Mm -hmm. so I think that agreed. It wasn't it wasn't written enough. I I mean, I just think the way that he rises to power within the party and he he does actually show loyalty and he does like a lot of things to to move the party forward, especially when Fred Hampton's not around. So I thought that was, that, that was really interesting. Like the building Uh, of the headquarters that, that was, yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. And, and he, he does some, some really interesting stuff. Another really cool storytelling aspect that I do want to say is as the movie progresses, you can see William O'Neill, his clothes get nicer and like his, his out, his, looking oh, a little bit better the money yeah. like yeah and and like the money's coming in and he's kind of like his his fashion sense just gets a lot better and he's wearing sunglasses at the dinner with the fbi agent but that's yeah, all, exactly but uh that kind of goes along with my one of my other big problems with the character is mm-hmm. that so this isn't a spoiler it's the first minute of the movie he's an informant like we said we already said he's an informant and he's an informant because he's he should go to jail uh i won't say for what for you could watch the movie please watch the movie but uh is it for to get out of prison or for the money or like, why is he still doing this for the FBI? Is he scared or is he doing it for the money? And you could see that Jesse Plemons, like it kept going back and forth between it. And there wasn't any flow with that either. So you, that, I think that hurt the character as well. And hurt you seeing that, that conflict that Nez was talking about and how much he liked Stanfield. I understand that, but I feel like that passion behind of why he's doing this. Uh, I think that hurt his character, at least for me. Yeah, but I feel like I mean you brought up Jesse Plemons. I feel I feel like he's like the same guy in every movie. You know, I could have I could have said before I like I I, I oh, like Camino. him, but like I could have been I saw him and if I saw his name like on like the billing for the uh, mm-hmm. obviously for the movie, and I was like, oh yeah, he's the FBI agent. Like it's yeah. just like you yeah. just knew what he was before as, you even watched the movie. As soon as I saw his face in that first like minute of the movie, I was like, oh this mother. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, oh god! But I like him. Okay. I feel no, but no he does. I, he does a great job. I feel like I'm, if it was someone else, it wouldn't have been as good. Yeah, and he personally, but he doesn't overact or do, he doesn't seem too sinister. He seems mm, very yes. in control and just yeah. kind of very like the uh, scene. Casual. Speak, speaking of things that aren't uh, dive like they aren't uh, delved into enough in this movie, it's his character also and his interactions yes. with uh, J. Edgar Hoover, who obviously historically is looked at as a racist figure. Like he Martin targeted Sheen the this. Black Panther Oof. Party. That might be controversial what I said. I don't know. But he is a uh, – he historically looked at them as, a, as domestic terrorists. And that obviously mm-hmm. bothered that FBI agent. But then he has an informant in the Black Panther Party. So I wish that they actually went into that more, that which would have been great too. Uh, yes, more inner conflict. And uh, I know he's not the focus of the movie. You already have two powerful leads. But uh, I just, uh, I think Jesse Plemons did a good job with what he was dealt with here. With, with the FBI in this movie though, and I think, I, so a lot of movies that, have a J, that hover around J. Edgar Hoover around, surrounding it, like that storyline, they yeah. always try to bring him in because he's such a controversial character, right? Or person polarizing character person cross-dresser right 
Okay. But I felt like it kind of hurt the momentum in this movie. You have Kulia doing all these speeches or Plemons and Stanfield uh, dinner conversations about, all right, where's this? Uh, no spoilers. Where's this or where's that in this party being an informant? But then you have this, like the J. Edgar with Martin Sheen. And I just didn't feel very, I just felt it was bland. Personally, I thought I was just thrown in there, kind of just lazy, just saying, oh, let's just add J. Edgar because everyone knows J. Familiar Edgar. Familiar figure. Yeah. yeah. And it's Martin Sheen. So might as well. Right. Um, I wanted to bring up something else. And in ter- one of the things I really liked about this movie is its style. Like in terms of uh, it almost had like a gangster movie feel to it. And you don't really see that because this is an all black cast and like gangster movies. You think of like Italian Americans, you think of De Niro, you think of Pacino, but like you have like the different uh, uh, activist groups that are like meeting with one another and they're discussing mm-hmm. and you feel like there's a, there's a tense, there's a tense, um, feeling every time they meet and then there's also a lot of car driving scenes right, with music playing in the mm-hmm. background who's it's the rat much, who's the snitch <laughs> yeah who's the rat who's the snitch exactly mm-hmm. so it just has that gangster feeling he infused it with like a black cast i thought that was really cool and something we really haven't seen so yeah uh, props to shaka king yeah and i think well i think the his the actual history of this is, you know, not only did he uh, create the Rainbow Coalition by uniting all these organizations, but he, I think he also, um, Fred Hampton also worked directly with uh, Southside Chicago gangs and stuff too. So it is kind of, gang- you know, he did work with gangsters, you know, he did work with, with people right. and gangs, just not the way that we traditionally remember it, where it's like a bunch of Italian guys talking about gabagool and stuff like that. So it's, exactly. def- it's, a, it's a different, it's a different approach. Um, but you know, it, it does have a lot of really cool stuff. And I, I thought that was, I thought, by the way, the rainbow coalition was like, so cool. I don't really, I didn't really know the full history of everything. I actually started researching it after, uh, but that was a real thing that he did the rainbow coalition with, you know, the Puerto Rican people and the, uh, and, and, uh, you know, those, the, the white guys and stuff like that. He also worked with, with gangs and stuff and, and they kind of united to try and make a difference. And that's why he served as such a threat. Or, or that's why the FBI and, and people saw him as such a threat because he was uniting all of these people who uh, right. were kind of pushed down by society uh, and they were all coming together to tr- kind of try and make change. So I thought that was really, really cool. And I have actually a, a fun fact about this movie slash the history of this Another movie. fun fact. A lot of fun facts this episode. But before before I do, I just spoiler alert for the movie, I guess, if you don't know the, I mean, like if you know the history of the, of, of the situation, you'll know, you'll know how the movie ends. But just spoiler alert, if you don't know the history uh, and you haven't seen the movie, just just this is the ending. So. All right. So Fred Hampton dies in the end. Right. Um, and he died on December 4th, 1969. Uh, I was thinking about this and I was like, Fred Hampton, that sounds so familiar. Like and then I remembered I was like, oh, my God, the song Murder to Excellence, Jay-Z and Kanye off Watch the Throne. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z comes in the verse. He says, I arrived on the day that Fred Hampton died. And I was like, what? Wait, hold on. I looked it up. Jay-Z's birthday is December 4th, 1969. Jay-Z was born on the day that Fred, Fred Hampton died. And he raps about it. So quick, just, just, a, cool. just a little that, fun fact. Yeah. A nicer that fun might fact, tr- that might That might trump the asbestos uh, fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> that might trump that one. Yeah. Jay-Z was born on the day that Fred Hampton was murdered by the FBI. Wow. Or Chicago police. And, that, and then Jay-Z recognizing his roots, too. And yeah. like, that's why like the rap, like rap music is kind of different. I mean, the it's not different. It, like a lot of rap, it's all they express like where they come from all the time and all types of music. But it's mm-hmm. like really uh, shed like rappers tend to shed, shed a light upon it, um, especially now current day. Oh yeah, like what's going on with uh, in terms of political activism. 
them. So uh, I think that's a, that's a good one for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk about Dominique Thorne. You guys know who she is? She was the Fish. supporting role. She had the afro. Fish She's question. Thorne? No. Dominique Thorne is the one who had the afro was questioning whether Lakeith Stanfield was a Oh, you want to talk about her. Okay. Yeah. She is awesome. She was sick. I loved her in this movie. Mm. And you know why she's a big deal? She's getting an MCU series. Yeah. I I, 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 I could uh, I could see where you're going with this. She was fiery. She's the girl that's she was like, very firing good. gunshots from the headquarters against the cops, right? She, yeah. that's her. Like I think I liked her. Like Dominic Fishback is great in this movie too. Like she provides Sh- that emotion. Project like, Power that- Girl, who yeah. we roasted mainly me. She, like she, you could she, tell, like she filmed she was this, the emotional touch of this movie. She was good. She was very good in this. I'll give her credit she, where credit's due. Project Power. She looked like she was 13 when I saw she was like the love interest. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! What's the age difference? Oh, and that's another Kaluuya. thing. That's another thing. Kaluuya is supposed to be 21 in this for yeah. Fred Hampton. And he looks like he's 35. Like he got a little fat on him. Like he's big, like whatever. But like, he's supposed to be 21. I was just like, what? Like, he, and, then, and then also he's five, nine. He's like, a, he's like, a, and he's a little overweight. I was looking at pictures right. of Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton looks nothing. like Daniel Yeah. He Kaluuya. was just like, whatever. Like, he's, like, like, he's like over six feet and everything like that. But like uh, Kaluuya just embodies the character. Just like, uh, Michael Fassbender and body Steve Jobs, you know, in that mm-hmm. movie, like they don't look alike, but it's, it's just all about the performance. And I got to say that I am a revolutionary speech. That's going to get the most draw. If we're talking about Oscar performances, Oscar oh, yeah. moment, that was a sick scene. Um, and I think Kaluuya people might draw upon the fact, like I, in ter- like, like from my experience watching the movie, he spoke very fast and he was very hard to understand at points right he's just like he's he's like almost yeah. too into what he's saying but that's how fred hampton spoke that's how he how he acted so he really was uh embodying that character and he is his passion and his drive like he's gonna get that now so overall the acting in this movie is phenomenal mm-hmm. yes agreed another quick uh fact did you know that he was or i think they said at the end he was 21 years old yeah right? yeah, yeah we're just talking that's... about that with kaluuya he's oh, like he's yeah. yeah. like 31 Oh, sorry. No, he stepped away. So for the audience, Ness stepped away from the mic and we didn't hear what he was what uh, we were we'll talking about. Yeah. Sorry. I guess I guess one more thing <laughs> yeah. before we get into scores here. The first scene in the movie, like the montage with uh, the interviews and the speeches, historical videos, pictures and newspaper headlines, like then transitions into the FBI, like Martin Sheen as J. Edgar, like presenting to all the FBI agents about the Black Panther Party and Fred Hampton. Like that had a lot of Defy Blood and Spike Lee elements there as well like a powerful intro- opening scene to set this to have this uh, to set the setting yeah, yeah, yeah. and this, you could see the like just where shaka king like, was getting inspiration from and like spike lee does that in every single historical movie he's ever done and he's probably the best in the biz at doing it and this like wasn't that far off in my eyes i thought that was great to set the tone for the movie for sure yeah i agree we throw down some scores or what boys mm-hmm. we start all right. I'll, I'll start. Okay. I'll, I gave it an 80. I gave it an 80. Uh, I wanted to give it higher just because the acting was so good. But I think the big thing that stuck out in my eyes was uh, Lakeith Stanfield. He's the lead character, not having enough of that inner conflict and kind of being underwritten. underwritten. But he, he performs well. It's just more of, I feel like he's in it for himself just by the writing in this movie, even though I think the point of it is for uh, him to feel like he owes it to the black the Black Panther Party, but I guess that's just how history was written. I get eighty out of a hundred. Yeah, I I gave it an eighty four or eighty four. Uh, I'm with you, except I don't even know if that's if that's how it's how I perceived it. I don't know 
about the main character, what his real actions were until the, the final credit scene. Uh, I think that was, that really hurt the movie. And I thought the FBI really slowed the momentum of the movie. Um, but I do, I did really like this movie. Kaluuya Oscar best supporting hope, uh, definitely a nomination. Maybe he'll get a win. We'll see uh, as the months come along with new movies coming out, but no, yeah. 84 out of hundred for Ricky flicks. Yeah. I'm going with 88 here. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie start to finish. Uh, it has like, it, it, it kept me, me like very interested throughout the entire thing, even though I knew how it was going to end. Cause I knew the history of it. I was still interested. And that just says something about the movie. The cinematography is incredible. Like the way that they frame so many of these shots, it's very beautifully shot. Uh, especially I, I, what comes to mind, uh, honestly, is, um, is, you know, the big speech scene when the FBI agent is actually in the crowd and he's making eye contact oh, yeah. with O'Neill. Right. That's like that, that. I think that that was a beautifully shot scene and, and so many more. Uh, as always, the, the soundtrack plays a huge part for me. So mm-hmm. I love that. Um, and, and then also, you know, like I like Nez always says, if the movie gives you the capacity to feel this movie made me angry. Like I was pissed. Like I was angry at police in general just after watching this movie and like that's the way you know they frame it but like if i was pissed i was genuinely angry and upset which means that it was in my opinion done extremely well because it it like had the capacity to make you feel something and really like the storytelling was so good that it it, it actually angers the viewer so I think that that was uh, a really powerful – it was just a powerful movie in general. Um, and, you know, I'm definitely going to watch this again at some point. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, great points. Great movie. Oh, yeah. Great movie. I feel weird giving the lowest score. Like I usually have like the highest score. Like I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what's going on right now? I, feel I think like I usually have the highest score actually. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like it's me and you always. Ricky Flex yeah. always has the lowest Flicks, Flicks is the – yeah. <laughs> Um, for now right. we'll see we'll see <laughs> yeah Richard okay. might not knock it down any any further comments before we move on to the marquee matchup of the evening watch out for shaka king i can't i can't wait to see what he does next yeah yeah good point good point all right well that concludes our review of judas and the black messiah i'm gonna go ahead and shoot it over to ricky flicks for top billing thank you nez all right today's top billing is inspired by judas and the black messiah and daniel kule's Great portrayal of Fred Hampton. We have the top billing of best performances as historical figures. So we're drafting characters in movies who portrayed a real person. And once a character is picked, it is off the board. No repeats allowed. But before we get going, do we have any questions? I do not. None. Okay. So we have, now that we are ready to get into it, we have predetermined the draft order. The first pick is Nez today. Second pick is not Ricky Flicks. It's Dr. O. First time Ricky Flicks has had the second pick in weeks. And the third pick is myself, Ricky Flicks. And then we'll snake it around to go back in the second round, third, fourth, and so on until we all have five picks. So, Nez, start us out with the top billing of historical figure performances. (laughs) All right. I don't know where I'm going with this one. Uh, To be honest, I'm a little... I think I'm going to have to go strategic here. So I'm going to start off with Jesse Eisenberg, Mark Zuckerberg, social network. Mm. I rewatched that this past week. It's a great, great, great movie. 
Um, and Jesse Eisenberg does a great job, you know, being the robot that is Mark Zuckerberg. He is a robot or an alien from another planet. Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> executes it perfectly. That scene in the beginning, like the first scene when they're at the BU bar is just like yeah. the perfect start to that character and, and who Mark Zuckerberg yes. is. It's like, yes. why, why don't I have to study? Cause you go to BU. Like <laughs> BU is like a good school. So it's yeah, just it's, like you a-hole. One of the all-time movie jerks, dude. And like he, he like it. He's. It seems like in the movie they portrayed him more as a jerk than he is in real life. But in real life, he's no, just he's a, a jerk. Straight up weirdo. He's just a straight up weirdo. He could yeah, even. Right. He could have even just gone like, I guess, in a different direction. But I guess we didn't know enough enough about Mark Zuckerberg at that time. Imagine what a character of his would look like now. Like when you think of like Sequel. him on him on the wakeboard with like the sunblocks smothering his <laughs> they would have to put that wearing in. A, a white mask. Like it was, it's, but I, I that was a, definitely a first round pick for me. So um, wasn't my first overall, but it was a good pick by Nez for sure. Also, before we end this, I also on Sunday I came out with the Entrepreneur blog, and it was the founder. But I talked about zucking, zucking somebody, like stealing someone's ideas, and how Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> isn't the first to do that. Go check that out on thedriveinpod.com. Yep. Quick plug for me. But right. second pick, Dr. Rowe, it's to you. This is my first pick. I think this person, I think uh, young people don't really know what this actual historical person really looked like, but they know what the actor looks like, and he's synonymous with the role. I'm going Jamie Foxx as Ray Charles. Jamie Foxx as Ray Charles is my number one pick. Uh, he, I think his... The ticks that he has, him performing on the piano, the way he speaks, I think it's just hand in hand with who uh, Ray Charles was. And I think people, as I said before, young people think of Jamie Foxx as Ray Charles more than they know who Ray Charles actually is. That's why he's my first round pick. That, what, that was definitely my top That's two. Good one. That was my second on my big board. Unbelievable. Also sang himself and played the piano. Unbelievable. Great performance. Unbelievable. All time. But all right, so quick start here to the top billing. Now it's for me for two picks. I'm going to, with my first pick, I want this in the first round. This is my number one. And it's arguably the greatest actor of all time. I've mentioned it before. Denzel Washington, Malcolm X. Mm. This portrayal, this movie's three hours long. So I understand like some people might not like this movie because of its length. And there's like three different movies inside this one movie. You see him portraying Malcolm X as a youngster as a con man, someone, a thief, and you see him coming uh, in prison, shifting over to a whole new emotional character. And then finally as Malcolm X and he does a, such a great portrayal. And I think the scene that really personifies this for me as a first round pick in this top billing is a scene when he first meets um, uh, the Muhammad uh, <laughs> and he, you could see the crying scene, Denzel crying. I think it's the best crying scene of all time in any, by dude, any acting dude, performance. Dude, so wrong. You're talking about a crying scene with Denzel, and you're saying it's from Malcolm X? Yes. Glory. Yes. Have you seen Glory? It's the most famous crying scene of all time. Ah, I like Malcolm dude, X's what better. A, what, a, what, a, what a fatal mistake by you to say <laughs> disagree. that. Are you kidding disagree. me? I disagree. Denzel, him, no reaction, tear streaking down, most famous crying same scene. Same thing in Malcolm history. X. It's the same no. thing in Malcolm X. Glory. It's and you can understand the importance glory. of him meeting his idol. And glory, he's getting whipped by a, a member of the okay, Union Army. And he's straight faced and a okay. tear comes down. like he's straight. Like it's, that is the right. best crying scene of all time. Okay, whatever. Besides the point, Malcolm X, unbelievable movie, unbelievable performance, robbed him an Oscar. The gall, the gall of Ricky Flicks there. Then my second pick, there on my big board, Abraham Lincoln, Daniel Day-Lewis in Lincoln. I rewatched this over the weekend. My father walked in 
and asked me to change the channel because he was creeped out by how identical <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis looks as Lincoln and how he portrays him perfectly as per a history, history textbook. Scary yeah. good portrayal of Abraham Lincoln, deserved of an Oscar. That's my second pick. Yeah. I don't know why. I just don't like Daniel Day Lewis. I think he tries too hard. I'm just hard like, good acting. Give, give, give it a rest, bro. Like, chill out. You know what I mean? He is a hard out. I respect right? it. I respect Old it, method. but also, like, you know, chill out. You're an actor. You play, you know. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. Like he, like he, like you, we, we see pictures of Abraham Lincoln. We see the still of him without the hat on. But when you see Daniel Day Lewis, you're like, okay, that was Abe Lincoln. You know, he's yeah. like, you just accept the fact, even though this is from like 1860, no one really knows what he's like other than looking at some written primary sources. So him is just, I, I guess we kind of just accept Daniel Day Lewis. If he did it, that's Abraham Lincoln. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think like Malcolm X, there's obviously one night in Miami. There's also another portrayal of Malcolm X. No, sorry, just teased to pick. Sorry. But I don't think we'll ever get another Abe Lincoln movie. Like unless we get another Daniel Day Lewis. Like I honestly don't know. Not in our lifetimes, but yeah. okay. Dr. O your second pick. So I'm going Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill. That's just the layup. Like him and that performance is one of the best performances in the last 10 years, right? We can be maybe like, in my opinion, the best historical performance, I should say in the last 10 years, uh, certainly worthy of an Oscar. Is they, um, Winston Churchill personally is my favorite historical figure of all time and uh, him, how he kind of like put Europe on his back, put basically the whole free world on his back against Adolf Hitler and how he was kind of an underdog after being a failure during world war one in terms of a military strategist. I'm taking Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill in an iconic performance of an iconic figure. Yep. Winston Churchill, Gary Oldman. Finally got his Oscar. Loved it. All right, Nez, two picks for you. Back to back. You got it. All right. I'm going to have to go with Christian Bale playing Dick Cheney in Vice. Mm. Interesting. Very, very, very good depiction. Very good depiction. I mean, when you see all the work that Christian Bale put into this role to look like Dick Cheney, and be Dick Cheney, it's crazy. You don't even recognize him as Christian Bale. Like, it's it's absolutely insane. And the movie's great, and Christian Bale's great as Dick Cheney. That's my pick. Don't love the movie. Don't really? love the movie, but he is great. I don't love Lincoln either, but I do think the acting performance just is so uh, just above par that that's a worthy first rounder for me. Dick Cheney, like, it's worthy to be on a top billing. But the movie, I think, brings it down a lot for me personally. Mm-hmm. But I know you like the movie, so. Dude, Christian Bale is a chameleon, dude. Like, I, I, like mm-hmm. him looking like Dick Cheney to the extent when you look at the average Christian Bale face with him with the beard and you see look at him and that other in this movie. It's, it's, it's jaw-dropping. Mm-hmm. And I thought the transformation was insane. I really liked the pick. It was on my list. I was a late add to my list, though. Late add, obviously, right, to the, right, right, right at the beginning of the pod, I actually added it after wow. I, uh, I made a joke and I said, "Okay, let's put on uh, Christian Bale as Moses from Exodus: Gods and Kings." But then <laughs> I immediately thought, "Oh crap, he played Dick Cheney." <laughs> but all right, all right, good pick, Nez. Uh, back to you. Start us with the third round. The third round, my third round pick is I'm gonna go with. Hmm. 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 Leonardo DiCaprio, Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort. 
Ooh, good pick. Bada bing, bada boom. I don't know if you guys picked it. It's not really a historical figure. Um, real person. But it is a real person, and he plays him, and it's based on a true story and based on a real person, and um, Leo nails it. Leo nails it. And I also want to give like a, a side nomination to Jonah Hill um, <laughs> for, for, for his, his character because I don't know if that guy's real or not, but fake name. Yeah, fake name. Oh, fake name in the movie. Okay. Real person, though. Okay. Uh, but he's great, in, he's great in that role, too. So, um, yeah, that's my pick. Interesting. Leo, Leo could show up on this list again. Yeah, so, he, he uh, could show up a few times. Yeah, there's a. I'm not gonna. Yeah, you yeah. show up a few times, but I, I like that pick. It's not what came to my mind when it comes of iconic characters that Leo's played. That's based on historical figures, but uh, it's, I, I, obviously, I enjoy that movie almost more than any other movie from the past ten years. Mm-hmm. All right, Doctor O. All right, I'm going Eddie Redmayne as Stephen Hawking in The Theory of Everything. Uh, what a love story! More of a story on friendship, I would say pretty heartbreaking to watch but i mean you had eddie redmayne tasked with playing a character like stephen hawking how hard must have that been and i think he did an incredible job earned him an oscar um enjoyable movie that's on streaming left and right so if you haven't if you haven't watched it make sure you check it out i'm I'm loving my list right now eddie redmayne's breakthrough and performance as stephen hawking yeah that's a fantastic pick that would have been my next pick that was number four on my big board, so I think that was a fantastic pick. Very difficult role to play. So, so hard, dude. So I props can't imagine. to him. Yeah, and like I again, one of those movies where I don't particularly love the movie, but the performance is just so good that like you have to watch the movie and over again to watch that performance. And yeah, that was kind of like his starting, like his first like Oscar nom and right win. through. Like yeah, so great pick. All right, so it's up to me, Ricky Flicks for two picks. So my first one, easy for me, just next to my big board, it's going to be Michael Fassbender and Jobs as Steve Jobs. I feel like this might be a reach at three, but this is just a personal pick for me. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's criminally underrated. I feel like Fassbender arguably should have so, won an Oscar for this, but it was just a tough year. This was a tough year with a great amount of uh, actors. This is uh, what Leo won, no? Yes. Um, just For the Revenant? And I was kind of like to when Leo won, I was like, Oh, he has to get one. Like you got to give this to him. Cause he put so much like heart and soul into this, but Fastbender, like we talked about uh, Zuckerberg with the social network as the first, as the one, one pick, like Steve jobs is so hard to play and capture his entire career. They didn't focus in jobs. They didn't focus on his earlier, like teenage years and college years and post-college years. They focus on core Steve jobs. And I feel like Fastbender perfected that really perfected that. And his transformation as a character, like he played like the like Steve jobs, like the same dude throughout, but you could still see his character develop without even like emotionally develop. Cause that's who Steve jobs was. I think most importantly about this role, because it was on my list, he doesn't look anything like Steve Jobs. But the way he actually acts, right, from what we know about Steve Jobs, from his performances, like, from his, like, showings or whatever at those Apple um, showcases, he played him very well. And what we know about Steve Jobs kind of being an a-hole, he was an a-hole in this movie, yeah. like, big time. So fast bet, because like, you think of Ashton Kutcher was immediately cast as – uh, Steve Jobs based on his appearance after his death. So then you had Fassbender take on this role. And I think he embodied uh, who Steve Jobs was even better than Ashton Kutcher, who looks identical to Steve Jobs. So I like yeah. that pick. Yeah, because Ashton Kutcher's Jobs 
I think is not a good movie, but he does look identical to a young Steve Jobs. I do think the older, the last phase of this movie, when you see an older Jobs, like before, right before he gets cancer, uh, I do think Michael Fassbender looks like him in the turtleneck and the jeans. I think he looks exactly like an older Steve Jobs when they make him. I feel like you want, you just, I think, I still think it's his performance that makes you think. He, like, yeah, you're right. No, you're like, right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. I'm just, I'm also saying at the, at the end, the last 30 minutes of the movie, that, that core of the movie, like he does, he does. But all right, off to you, mm-hmm. your fourth pick, Dr. O. Or sorry, no, it's me. Uh, sorry, did you go back, back to back. back. Wow, I jumped ahead. Back to back for me. I'm going another personal pick. One of my favorite actors of all time, Walking Phoenix. It's in Dr. O's background right now as Johnny Cash in Walk the Line. For me, I, this is how much I love his performance. Instead, I love Johnny Cash as a musician. But now after this movie, I only listen to Johnny Cash songs sung by Joaquin Phoenix and his partner, which might be a tease, teasing picks, Reese Witherspoon in this movie as well. I love Joaquin's voice in this. I love it better than Johnny Cash on Spotify. I love it. Give me Johnny Cash by Joaquin Phoenix and Walk the Line. Good pick, man. One of my all-time favorite movies. Shout out James Mangold. Shout out Joaquin, dude. And then like, I would even accept it if you grouped June Carter with Reese Witherspoon with that pick <laughs> just because they're, they're, they go together, dude. Yeah, they Peanut do. Butter and jelly, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So pick. now, Dr. O, it's your fourth pick. My mistake. Jumping ahead. I think I, I have a good pick in here. I don't think Nez is going to have. So I'm gonna go with one of more my one of my more obvious picks. I'm gonna go Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding, right as my next pick. Um, I Tanya is a hilarious movie, and it's like it's Margot Robbie in a role we kind of aren't familiar with her being in, where she's like a hard nosed, tough chick, and I think she embodied who Tanya Harding was to a T. Her tough background, and I just love that movie, and I think she gives. Uh, I mean, she, her, and Alice and Janie kind of going like. Uh, back and forth for the best performance there, but I like uh, Margot Robbie, and I got to add some diversity to my list, so I'll get the chick, the chica in there, you know. So mm-hmm. Margot Robbie is Tanya Harding. Mm-hmm. Eat your heart out, Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> good pick, good pick. Nez, off to you. Okay, okay. Do I have back to back? Yes, you do. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Man's here heights. We go. Oh, I'm going with. Selena Guantanilla, portrayed by J Lo in Selena. Hey, that is a that is a really good portrayal in a pretty good movie. I've seen it a million times mm-hmm. growing up. So yeah, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but it's a great movie, and J Lo actually crushes the role. Uh, that's my pick. I actually haven't seen the movie. Really? Yeah. No. Do you know if it's streaming anywhere? Um, I actually don't know that because I would uh-huh. always see it on Women's Entertainment growing up, watching it with my mom. So, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up actually because, oh uh, wait, look at the no. side by side. I don't I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I can only see buy option. But all right, all right, interesting pick. J Lo added to the top billing. Let's go. I like it. Let's get like it. it. Let's get it. And Nez, uh, round out your draft with your fifth pick. Is this my fifth pick? Yes. Yeah, it yep. is. Okay. So my fifth pick, I am going to go with John. Nope. I'm going to go with Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman playing Truman Capote in Capote. Wow. I hate that movie and I hate that character. But then I found out that that character is actually supposed to sound like that. And I was like, oh, crap. I guess he's just doing a really good job. Uh-huh. So that's my pick. Yeah. Uh, 
Truman Capote, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I just rewatched this movie last week, so it's crazy that we're doing this now. But yeah, like his voice in that and his mannerisms are so unique. And he did a. And if you ever watch like a video of the actual Truman Capote, Capote, like it's pretty mm-hmm. insane. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance in that. So I think that's a good pick, under the radar pick, I would say. And mm-hmm. R.I.P. to a great actor, Philip Seymour Hoffman. R.I.P. <laughs> I love I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like uh, him in The Master is just one of the greatest acting performances I've seen, like maybe in my lifetime. But uh, him and that accent in that movie is ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It is. it is. But yeah, I was watching in my forensic class in high school, and I was like, this guy sucks. And my teacher was like, no, this guy actually talked like that. And I was like, oh. And I looked it up and did some research. I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good pick, Doctor O. Round out your draft. So I got a couple options here. I could go the comedy route. Look at this dude. <laughs> I could go the comedy route. <laughs> but uh, I think I'll go more serious. I'm taking this draft seriously. I'm going to go Jim Caviezel as Jesus Christ in The Passion of the Christ. Wow. I'm going Jim Caviezel as Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. What a pig. I, uh, that movie, I think, is kind of slept on. It was. People forget before Deadpool. Huge. Yeah, before Deadpool, that was the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. It's a gritty performance. Uh, Mel Gibson directed, so you know it's going to be gritty. Uh, and you know it's going to be controversial at the same time. Yeah, Mel there it is. Home, you know? But uh, mm-hmm. I think this is one that's under the radar. I didn't think anyone was going to have this on their list. But, uh, I mean, you got Jesus on your list. You're probably going to do well in this top billing draft. And uh, Pander? I'm going to take Pander with as Jesus. Wow. If you win this, wow. if, if you win this uh, top billing, you know who to thank first. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay. All right. To round out Ricky Flix's dra- uh, top billing, a lot of options here. I'm gonna go. Uh, this could be veto worthy, but Julianne Moore, Sarah Palin, and Game Change, the HBO movie. Uh, what? I wouldn't veto it just because okay. it was not theatrical. Movie. Yeah. Okay. okay. So if you haven't seen this movie, go watch it on HBO. It is fantastic. And she is literally Sarah Palin more yeah. than Tina Fey. Like mm-hmm. she is so, and like an actual serious Sarah Palin. Like she is it. Julianne Moore did a terrific job in this movie. This is like, like pound for pound. This could be a first round pick, but it's just not theatrical. It didn't come out in theaters. It's, it's tough. Not a lot of people have seen it, but I just can't. Like the final pick, Miss Irrelevant. I can't not have it on my list if it's available. Julianne Moore, game change for Sarah Palin. Nice. It's a that it's like it's such a like a hit piece on her. It's hilarious to watch, yeah. and it's like they make her look so damn dumb. Like she didn't even get her GED. They make her look that dumb. Terrible. In this, this movie, but uh, she she looks exactly like her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh. It's, it's 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 scary how dumb they make her look here but uh, i like the pick and then also who played john mccain is ed harris yeah ed harris yeah he also looked pretty much he was like great too yeah that whole movie just unbelievable cast in that one Woody it's, Harrison it's an interesting it. rewatch so i if you're looking at i know we ricky flicks during the election he did like five political movies to watch i think you put honorable mention game change in there yeah no i think it was on i think uh yeah, I think it was definitely up there in the rankings, like for sure. Like unbelievable movie. What What is she doing right now? What's Palin doing? No idea. I, I, hiding from the press. Yeah. Man, but it also like it around. did her dirty, but it also shows how popular and like how she revolutionized po- American politics. 
mm-hmm. like she kind of revolutionized like actually going to watch somebody like she inter- interacted with the crowd more than any other politician. It was like an event. Ever. Yeah, it was like an event, right? And well, they, they're all events of a president or of a potential vice president or or the candidates yeah definitely it was like but it was also like highly publicized like it's like uh on like social media social media was kind of like being it was at the birth stage but it was uh it was everywhere yeah and before like everyone found out like like the russia comment that you could see it from see russia from alaska and stuff like that like she was she drew crowds larger than the president of the united states which is just mind-boggling so it was cool to see that aspect in that movie too definitely check it out but that rounds out our top billing before we go to honorable mentions, I'm oh, sorry, before we read out the list, let's say some honorable mentions. Nez, any honorable mentions for you? Yeah, I got uh, Salma Hayek playing Frida Kahlo. Mm-hmm. Frida. Um, I got, uh, I almost did Johnny Depp playing Whitey Bulger in Black Mass. Uh, and I think that's pretty much it for me. Dr. O, honorable mentions for you. I, I got a bunch, dude. Yeah. Um, Val Kilmer is Jim Morrison. Not a great movie, but he looks identical to him. I know it's not what it's about, but he put a lot into that role. Uh, I have Kate Blanchett as Bob Dylan. That was a fascinating one that I didn't go with, but I thought would have been interesting. Uh, dude, Morgan Freeman as Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Not a bad one. Uh, David Oyelu as Dr. King. I got Colin Firth as King George in the in the in the King's speech. I have Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman, Mel Gibson mm. as William Wallace. And you want to hear what the funny one I was going to do? Morgan Freeman as God, Bruce Almighty. <laughs> I was waiting for a veto on it, but I was like, I got to go Jim Carrey. I got I to gotta go with the Jesus pick, but I, that was, I, I can't have two religious picks in my draft. I got to kind yeah, of space conf- out the conflict of interest. But, uh, but it, just talking about that first scene with him uh, confronting – Jim Carrey's character in Bruce Almighty. I thought that that was just mm-hmm. alone. Like he is God. Like people think yeah. who would play God. People say Morgan Freeman. Yeah. And Andy Kaufman was on my list as well. Would have been like, that was like Jim Carrey's chance for an Oscar besides it. Truman show. Like that was it. And he didn't get it. So I feel mm-hmm. like he'll never get it, but he's a great serious actor as well as comedic. Uh, people forget that. Oh, and Natalie Portman is Jackie. Is uh, Jackie Onassis. Yeah. Oh. Annoying voice as well in that one. I know no, someone. Natalie Portman just did a biopic. Uh, yes. uh, I have to look it up. What, it was like a Kennedy one. Oh shit, that was yeah, her. That yeah, was Jack, Jackie. Jackie. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, she, um, uh, did she win for that, dude? She might have won. I think she did. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think she won, but maybe I, I, I'm misremembering. I but okay. Um, surprised no one picked Daniel. Uh, I, not surprising, but no one picked Fred Hampton in the, from uh, Judas and the Black Messiah here. Um, oh yeah. Also, I, I figured you know. Yeah, there, yeah. Um, just, just oh, want yeah. to throw that out there. But a uh, couple, couple more for me. Uh, Gandhi, Ben Kingsley, like yeah, legendary man. performance there. Um, Megan Kelly, Bombshell, Charlie's Theron. I personally love that performance, and Charlie's Theron's she, great. And it doesn't even look like Charlie's Theron. Like it's just like yeah. it's like wow, that's Megan Kelly, right? Um, Howard Hughes, Leo DiCaprio. I, I love Leo. Uh, let's see, Gary Busey playing Buddy Holly. I love that one. That was close to being my fifth pick. Mister Rogers, Tom Hanks, just. He looked the part, yeah. played the part perfectly. And Elton John, Taron Egerton, Freddie Mercury, Remy Malik. No one said that from but he I wasn't going to pick Remy Malik. I'm not a Remy Malik guy. I can't because he didn't wow. sing. And I know it's hard to sing, but like I would have picked Elton John, Taron Egerton over him. But then finally, another one that I was toying with for my fifth pick, and it goes under the radar a lot, RDJ as Charlie Chaplin. Great performance. Yeah, there. Not great movie, but great, great performance. So I'll read out the list quickly just to recap for the audience. So Nez has 
Jesse Eisenberg playing Mark Zuckerberg in The Social Network. Dick Cheney and Vice, played by Christian Bale. Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street, played by Leo DiCaprio. Selena, uh, played by J-Lo. Truman Capote, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman and Capote. Dr. O has Ray Charles, uh, Ray Charles from Ray, Jamie Foxx. Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour, playing Winston Churchill. The Theory of Everything, Eddie Redmayne playing Stephen Hawking. Tanya Harding, played by Margot Robbie and I, Tanya. And Passion of the Christ, Jim Caviezel, playing Jesus Christ. And then gonna win me this draft. Ricky Flicks has Malcolm X, Malcolm X, Denzel Washington, Abraham Lincoln and Lincoln, Daniel Day-Lewis, Steve Jobs, Michael Fen- Fassbender playing Steve Jobs, Walk the Line, Joaquin Phoenix playing Johnny Cash, and then Julianne Moore playing Sarah Palin in Game Change. Thoughts? Fun one. That was a good one. Took me a while, but I got it. <laughs> All right. That rounds out our you top billing. radar picks. I like them. Yeah, I know. I like them. <laughs> J-Lo. Um, but I'll throw it back over to Nez here. All right. Well, that will conclude our 24th episode of the Drive In Podcast. We'd like to thank you for listening. And please remember to follow us on all our social media platforms. We are at the Drive In Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Drive In on Facebook and YouTube. And check out our blog on a daily basis on the driveinpod.com. Thanks once again for listening. And we will smell you.